Well, listen, uh, you and I both realize, you know, the longer that we live, the more experiences we have, right? We really do. And uh, you find out again and again and again, the life is full of questions. And no one knows this better than parents of toddlers. Do I have parents of toddlers here? Say yes. Okay, you know that, yeah. And so you understand that the many questions that they give, thousands of questions on any given day, right, it seems. And uh, there are lots of questions about absolutely everything in your world. Why are you doing it? The why on top of the why, and what are you doing? And uh, you, they even ask questions about things you didn't even think you could ask questions about, but they do. And everything you answer will still be another why, True? So life is full of questions, and children have lots of questions. But the truth is, as you and I walk through this life, we have many questions that are not as easily answered as a three-year-old, especially the questions in the midst of pain, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of trials, because in the midst of those, you encounter questions that you haven't faced before. And I want to talk about that today today. As you walk through suffering, there are questions that come to mind that find a home in your heart that you don't always have the answer to. Questions like, why is this happening, right? God, where are you in all of this? I'm trying to see you in this. Those are questions that surface in the midst of our suffering. And uh, we realize that we come to the Gospel of John chapter 9, if you have your Bibles, John chapter 9. We are going to encounter a man that is in the midst of suffering and pain, and in this passage, we're going to find out a number of things that suffering reveals, that suffering in the life of a believer, a follower of Jesus, reveals the purpose of God, it reveals the person of Christ, and also that suffering that we go through reveals a path towards strong faith, if we will allow it. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 5, Jesus, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? Was it this man or his parents? And this man, he was born blind. So what's going on? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. He says this in verse 4, we must work the works of him who sent me, and I must, he says, it's personal, while it's day. Night's coming, nobody's going to be able to work. And as long as I am in the world, he says this, I am the light of the world. This first passage, we're going to see, we're going to find out that suffering reveals the purpose of God. If you've been with us in this study, we've gone through a lot of different things, and you've seen a lot of different themes and certain themes that arise out of this gospel. And the chapters that just preceded chapter 9, we've witnessed what's growing the most is the aggravation of the Jewish leaders to Jesus' ministry. He keeps building and growing. When we left off last week, they are so angered, they want to execute Jesus on the spot. Now Jesus is back on the streets with his disciples. They're walking the streets. They pass a blind beggar that's been blind since birth. It provokes a question in their mind that comes forward. Who sinned? Who sinned that this man is experiencing this disability and this suffering that he's going through? Who sinned? And the disciples, they're only, what is happening, only echoing the teachers of their day. 
In Judaism, the first century, it was commonly held that certain sins equaled certain suffering. So if you're walking through suffering, there would be a way to trace back and connect the dots in your life to why this is happening in your life. And the disciples looked at this man and turned towards Jesus, and they're very frank. Who's to blame for this that's going on? Did this man sin in the womb, or did his parents sin, and now he's having to pay the penalty for it? Can you explain what is going on here? There may be some of you in the room today, or in the sound of my voice, that you are going through things right now today. They're suffering. There's maybe pain. There is a, an intense trial that you are going through, and things aren't going very well. But maybe you can understand maybe that your child got sick. You went to the doctor. There was an appointment after appointment, and the news didn't get any better. Matter of fact, it got worse. There's some of you here this morning that as you live your days, you're living it with a sickness, a disease, a terminal illness in your body. There's some of you today that are living with chronic pain in your body. Maybe that you're listening today and that you've gone into work and uh, your boss said, we have no need of you with a position any longer here, so your position is terminated. Or you start a business that had so much promise only to find out that the bottom dropped out of your world. And so in this sort of pain, in this sort of suffering that we go through, you and I are prone at one time or another to ask the question, what did I do? Have you ever done that before? Just to be honest, what did I do here? What did I say? What action promoted this to take place inside of my life? God, why do I even deserve this? There's this inclination with us to want to connect the dots in our life because we want to make sense of it all, right? We do. We want to make sense. Growing up, what I heard many times is, well, if you're suffering, then you're in sin, I don't know about you, but I heard that many times. Well, if that person's suffering, then they must be sinful. There's some sin that precipitated this in their life. And so you realize those things we hear growing up, and sometimes they're attached to us. Hey, even the disciples are bringing up things that they've walked through in first century Judaism. They keep bringing up with the teachers of the law. They just keep repetitively saying what they have said. But we understand Jesus responds in verse 3, this man did not sin or his parents. Neither of them. So we have the inclination, like them though, to connect something to make sense. And you know what? We can't always do that. Like, hey, I'm so mad at COVID-19, coronavirus, I'm going to fly to Wuhan and I'm going to find who's to blame, right? That's, you know, you're not going to be able to find somebody all the time. You're not going to be able to, you know, put blame on something or someone. And sometimes that drives us so nuts. What Jesus isn't saying that there is some suffering that is connected to sin because there is. We know this from John chapter 5 and verse 14. We dealt with a number of weeks ago. Jesus heals a paralytic, and it says afterwards that Jesus found him in the temple, and this is what he said. See, you are well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. Hey, you're doing well now. You're healed, but don't keep on sinning, right? Because something worse could happen to you. Indicating 
that the man's condition that he was going through in that story was tied to the sin in his life. But here Jesus said that's not always the case because you can't make that a blanket statement for all the suffering that you go through in your life or all the suffering you see in the world around you. What we do know is this, suffering all flows from a common cause. Well, what is that? Paul tells us, Romans 5, 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, you could say this, that death and all of its destructive effects, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. So we can say from God's word that suffering does have its root cause in sin because it's through this cursed world. Jesus said, you have to be careful that oftentimes you won't be able to connect the dots. You won't be always able to lay blame at any one person or situation or a person's action. Why? Because there's something bigger that's going on. Church, if you're listening to me today... There's something bigger that's going on in our world. Amen? You've got to believe that because God's word even talks about it. There's something bigger that's taking place in all the pain and in the suffering that we see and don't even hear about as well. He first addresses the assumption of the day that sin was connected to suffering. But he also answers the real question. The bigger question is the question behind the question. Now, everybody in this room has experienced this when somebody asks you a question, but you know it's not the real question. How many have you ever been there? Right? They're asking a question, but it's not the real question. The disciples really want to ask, who sinned this man? Or was it his mom? Was it his dad? Who? What they're really asking is why. Jesus tells us why, verse 3, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. He's saying you cannot tie this man's condition to a past cause because this man is walking through his suffering for a future effect. His condition is not rooted in the past. It's rooted in the future because God is desiring and has a purpose for something greater in his life that is to come. That what he's saying here, God is at work. Church, I want you to know this today. God is at work. Can you turn to the person next to you and tell them that? God is at work. Yeah. God is at work. Don't make any mistake about it. Some of you are like, I'm not so sure. Oh, he's, he's at work for sure. There's no doubt about it. God is at work in what we're going through, what we're sensing, what we're feeling. Here's a blind man walking for decades in this. The reason for his disability, God is going to work through his disability to bring him to a place of spiritual sight. Now, you got to understand, here's the work. What is the work of God? Well, we're told. It's clear. John chapter 6 and verse 29. This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. If you ever wonder what the work of God is, that is the clear answer, John 6, 29. The reason why the work of God is that you and I would believe and every person on the face of the earth would believe in Jesus Christ. Blind man walking for decades, God is working through his physical blindness to bring about spiritual sight. 
And so not only that, but to the millions of people that will hear this story like we are thousands of years later, the disciples have a question about meaning because they want to know, is this something that is just senseless, you know? You know, what is going on here? There's, There's something deeper, and Jesus says there is, and the reason that it's so critical that we need to understand and get as Christians is because we've got to walk through life with a dramatically different perspective on suffering than the world around us does. Because the world around us looks at suffering and assigns meaninglessness to it. Like, man, I'm sorry you drew that card in life. That's bad luck. I mean, the dice didn't land just right for you. And so, you know, that's why uh, you're going through this. That, man, I'm sorry. It's random chance. Jesus says, no, no, you're going through this for a reason. And the reason that you and I as believers must embody a totally different perspective on suffering is because what the world's perspective of suffering leads them to. They think those that are suffering are ultimately meaningless. It's meaningless. And Jesus says that sort of perspective, if that's what you have, that says suffering is rooted in chance and meaninglessness is utterly false because God is able to work through your suffering for your good, right? That God's will would be accomplished in you and me through it. The world wants to know if this kind of perspective works in the midst of suffering. And listen, I just want to let you know today, in your world and mine, the world is watching us as believers. Your coworker is watching you today. Something, oh, no, they really don't. No, they know. Your neighbor does know you serve the Lord. You leave every Sunday morning, right? You talk about Jesus, right? Your friends around you, they know you serve the Lord. The world is absolutely watching us, church, right now. May we honor God with what we do, what we say, and all that he's called us to become. The world wants to know, do you really have a different perspective or do you just go to church unchanged and come back? What the world wants to know at the core of our being, do you believe that God works all things for the good? All things for the good? All things for the good? That God's working through your suffering today? So suffering reveals the purpose of God, but also suffering reveals the person of Christ. Verse six and seven, having said these things, Jesus spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva. He anointed the man's eyes with mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seen. I want to call your attention to something that happens within the church that can be very tragic. There are those in the church who stand on the ground solidly of what we just talked about. There's a purpose in suffering. God is at work in you, going all for his good and you're good. Don't despise your suffering. Know this, God is working in you. And there are those who seem to be on the other hand who say God wants to hear you and God wants to work in your life and wants to restore you and you should pray and you should believe in healing. Tragically, what happens is both of those things uh, get separated. And, And what does Jesus do here? He calls attention to the purpose behind the suffering, but that doesn't mean there's not a desire on God's part to absolutely bring you healing. And he calls Christians to not say, well, it's either or, but he's calling us as believers to embrace both of those understandings in our life, that God is big enough 
to have a purpose in your suffering and big enough to bring you out of it by his healing power in Jesus' name. If you believe that, say amen. The blind man knows that Jesus is walking by. You know he heard the stories. That Jesus is here, and maybe he's heard an understanding of the paralytic that was healed or the, the child that was sick and on his deathbed. Remember the story of the boy, and Jesus didn't even have to go to him physically. He just sent his word, and he healed them. I love that. Amen? He just sent the word, and he healed him. And maybe this man heard about Jesus went to a wedding, and they ran out of wine, and so he turned the water into wine. And maybe he's thinking, this is the day. This is the day for me. And at this moment, Jesus could possibly heal me. And so he's waiting, and he waits, and he hears this instead. In essence, right? Not quite what he was hoping for. And now he's got more questions. And Jesus spits on the ground into the dust, and he begins to make the mud, bringing it together. He works the saliva into the mud. He, as he comes back up, he wipes the mud on this man's face. And verses 13 and 14 said, this all happened on the Sabbath. Well, what's the meaning behind this method? We know it's Sabbath. And the Pharisees had rules in front of the law so that people wouldn't violate the Sabbath. One of those laws is you weren't even allowed to knead the dough to make the bread because that was work. Jesus packs this mud together and uses the same word for dough that is used here for mud. And Jesus is stirring controversy. And through this, he will reveal his true identity. What does this say about him? Matthew chapter 12 and verse 8 says, For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath isn't about rules. The Sabbath is about healing. Listen, today in your Sabbath, and I hope you get a Sabbath, and I hope you take a Sabbath every week, because the Sabbath is about your healing, and it's about my healing, that, that we understand that rest is a vehicle for healing. You and I could work seven days a week, Right? But this is the proclamation that God is able to provide. Either, I could either work seven days a week and never accomplish all that God has called me to do. But God says, take the one day in seven and I will provide for you. Take one in seven as a declaration of trust that I am able to meet your needs. Amen? I, I love that Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday and that God has just blessed that company. Amen? I mean, why don't we try to do what God's called us to do rather than trying to work ourselves to death? Right? Trying to make more money. Why don't we just do what God's called us to do? Right? Because it works. Last time I looked at the word, it works, right? So Sabbath is about healing, and it's about restoration. And he tells them, verse 7, go wash in this pool of Siloam, which means sin. So he went and washed, and he came back seen. And Jesus reveals through this healing that he is the sent one. He is the one whom God has sent to bring healing and restoration through the entire world. Not only does suffering reveal the person of Christ, and suffering reveals the purpose of God, but also suffering reveals a path towards strong faith. We're going to see that in this man's life. How do we know that? Romans 3, 5, 3 through 4. We can rejoice too. We can rejoice too 
when we run into problems and trials. If you're in a problem, but if you're in a trial, if you're suffering today, be rest assured, God's word says you can rejoice. You can rejoice. Why? For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character for every one of us, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Really, God's ultimate goal is salvation for all of our lives. Amen? Cut out all the other crap, cut out all the other junk, get to the level of the works of God are for our salvation. Amen? Bottom line. What Paul is saying is there's something about suffering that strengthens our faith, and we see that in the story. The remaining part of this chapter, there are 33 verses and there are five conversations that evidence a growing faith, clarity concerning about who Jesus is, and a growing courage to proclaim the truth about him. I'm going to snapshot these quick in the next few moments. Verses 8 through 12 is the first. The beggar has a conversation with his neighbors. He kept saying, you know what? Hey, I am the person that Jesus healed. They said, no, you're not. He said, yes, I am. They said, no, you're not. He said, yes, I am. How were your eyes open, they asked him. The man called Jesus, made mud, and anointed my eyes, and told me to go to Siloam and wash, and now I've received my sight. Where is Jesus? He said, I, I, they, they asked him, he said, I don't know. What I want you to pull from the conversation is that, first of all, he identifies Jesus at this point as Jesus is the man. Do you, do you know where he's at, sir, now that you're healed? No. But I know this, I was blind but now I see. Second conversation. They brought him to the Pharisees and they asked him again and now he had received his sight. He told them and they said, uh, he's not even from God because you know what? He works on the Sabbath. He doesn't even keep it. What do you say about him? The man said he is a prophet. Notice the change. First he was a man. Now, not just any man. I'm gonna tell you that he was a man sent from God He's a prophet. See the faith rising in this man? Every conversation that he continues to talk about Jesus who just touched his life through pain and suffering, it's mounting up. Verse 3, the Jews didn't believe he had been blind until they called his parents in and said, hey, uh, this is your son. Yeah, this is our son. Yes, we knew he was blind from birth. And so who's the one that even opened his eyes? And uh, they didn't want to talk about it because of fear of the Jews. Because if anyone would confess Jesus Christ, they were put out of the synagogue. You'd lose respect in the community and be alienated. And they're like, well, our son's of age. Ask him. The blind man's faith is growing. It's growing. It's more passionate. It's mounting. We see it again in the next conversation, 24 and 25. For a second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, you know, Give glory to God. We know this man's a sinner. He answered, whether he's a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, though, I was blind and now I see. This is the power of a personal testimony over a very bad argument. People can come to us with bad arguments all the time and want to trip up our faith and call into question what we believe and what God has done what cannot ever be denied is the story that you tell of what Jesus has done in your life. Isn't that true? The story that Jesus has done in your life, people can say, try to trip you up, bring up. Listen, the power of a testimony against a bad argument will win every single day. 
Like, hey, you know what? I was this way, but now I'm this way. I was a very terrible person, but now I am a child of God, and I'm living a different way, and I'm walking a different route now. I was blind, but now I, I really see now. I see things for as they are. I, I live in truth, and I want to be there. And, and so your testimony, I want to just encourage you today, again, is so powerful. Then they ask, what did he do to you, and how did he open your eyes? I told you already, he said, and you wouldn't even listen to me. Why do you want to hear it again? And I love this next one. Do you want to become his disciples? Like, hey, we could just pray right now and you can ask God into your heart. No. No, no, that's not what they're interested in. That's not what it, they want. That's not their heart's desire. And so the man's faith keeps growing stronger and stronger and stronger in the midst of persecution and suffering. And the Bible says that they cast him out. But Jesus heard this in verse, uh, verses 35 and following. Do you believe in the son of man? He asked this man that was healed. And, and he says, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus says, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him there. Suffering reveals the purpose of God. Suffering reveals the person of Jesus Christ, and also it helps to build your faith, culminating like this man did, as the most radical proclamation of worship that I will worship him because he is my savior and he is my God. I've been given a personal testimony now. I will worship him because he's my savior. He is my God. God uses suffering to change us. Today, if you're going through suffering, God wants to use it to change you, to change me, to change the church to change the body of Christ and what we are going through and what we are suffering and the pain of earth and the pain of our nation today. But listen, I, I hope you know this. You can't legislate enough change to change the heart of men and women in this country. It is only through the power of the Holy Spirit that can change what is taking place. I hope you get that today. Only God can change the human heart. The things that we see out there, the things that we're going through and experiencing, and the suffering and the pain and the things that just keep coming and one after the other, after the other, after the other, God is using it and he's speaking to us in our suffering today and he will use it for our good. See, if we allow it, pain can, be, can help us draw closer to God. If we allow it. If we allow it, pain will help us draw closer to each other. And I don't know about you, but the body of Christ needs to be very close to each other right now. Do you see how the enemy's working? You see it? Church, are you with me? Are you, do you hear me? Yeah. The distancing. He'll use the injustices. The enemy will just work us over, stay separated. 
Most people I find in the body of Christ, I just want to be together right now. I just want to be together and I want to, I just want to hug somebody. I want to encourage them or air hug somebody, you know, just whatever's got to be done. I just want to be together like we're doing today. I just, I just need the encouragement. I need to know that, you know, as humanity, we're in this together and, and we're going to be unified and we need God to heal us and heal our land and heal our country and heal this disease that's in, in this world. But the truth of the matter is today that there are some of you who have been walking through some very intense suffering. Whether it's a situation in your life or at work, a diagnosis, maybe years of chronic pain. Maybe your child today has a terminal illness. The truth is, God is working. And it's not about your past, but it's about your future that God wants to speak today. It's about your future. It's about how he wants to reveal himself in your heart, in my heart today. What he's trying to reveal himself in the body of Christ throughout the world today. Jesus is the revealer. He's always wanting to reveal more of himself, more of the Father, and more of the Holy Spirit. He's the revealer. He's the revelator. John the revelator, he wrote about Jesus being the revelation. He wants to reveal himself to you and to me today through our pain in, in such a powerful way. And I want to pray for you today that God would work in you in a very dramatic way. So what I'm asked us to do, let's just, can we all just stand to our feet as we bring this service down? And, but what I want to do today is if you're here today and you are going through some intense pain and suffering, I mean, no matter what it is, suffering, pain, I mean, you name it, you, you put that label on it, whatever it is that you're going through, because it could be different as, as we go from person to person here. But if you're going through something today that's so intense inside of your life, no matter what it is, can we just take a moment today as the body of Christ? Because we're the body of Christ. We're the body of Christ. In this moment, in this hour, can you say, you know what, there's something intense going on inside of me that I'm suffering, that I'm going through no matter what it is. Would you just today, in all honesty, before the Father, would you just take your hand and raise it up right now? Come on, would you do it? Come on, would you just raise your hand in all honesty? There's something going on. You know what, maybe it's only you and God today that knows exactly what that is. But I'm going to ask, I know we're social distancing, but would you just turn around and look at the person that's around you or in front of you, and would you just stretch your hand their way? Come on, would you stretch your hand their way and would you just pray for them as I pray for them today? Will you pray for them today? Will you pray for healing? Would you pray for God to come? Would you pray for God to answer this need? Would you come and, and just ask God in this moment, be very real, reveal yourself in the midst of pain, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of whatever is going on. Father, I thank you for your word that tells us the truth concerning life, Lord. That no matter the need that we have this morning, no matter the trial that this person that is around me, that they are going through, would you work in them today, Lord? Father, would you work in them today? Would you touch them? God, would you overwhelm them with your spirit, your power, Lord, now? Would you touch them physically in their body if they're going through an ailment, a sickness, a disease? Lord, you're the healer, Lord. Father, we pray that upon every person that's here. 
God, if they're going through suffering because they're going through such an intense trial, God, would you be very real to them now in this moment, Lord, and would you overwhelm them? Would you touch them with your spirit, touch them with your power, strengthen them, Lord, with a supernatural peace that would come over them? Maybe it's a sick child in their home or, or somebody that's around them. God, would you just send the word today and touch their bodies, Lord? Just send your word and they will be healed in the name of Jesus. Send your word. Encourage their heart so that faith would rise up and confidence would come and expectancy, believing today that you are working all of this pain and suffering for your good and your purpose, that it would be accomplished, Lord. And may our response today be worship that we can say, as this blind man who was healed, the Lord, I worship you, my Savior, and my Lord, and my God, because you're working something out that I cannot see, because it's not about my past. It's about my future, Lord, inside of you. Church, would you just lift your hands and worship him today? Come on, would you just give him worship as this man did? Lord, thank you, Lord, that we worship you. The response of our heart is worship and adoration. Today, we thank you for it. Thank you for it today, Lord. We give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. You're doing a work, Father, in us.